Limitless Love, May 24th. Giving your way into love. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeling to him and asked him, Good master, what should I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Thou knowest the commandments. And he answered, And he said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Mark ten seventeen and 22. For years I... I assume Jesus instructed the rich young ruler to sell his possessions and give to the poor because he was deficient in that area. I figured he just needed to give financially, but eventually I came to believe and realized what was missing in that young man's life was love. He didn't understand God's love for him. We know he didn't because Jesus said later that he trusted in the riches. People who know the love of God don't trust in riches. They trust in God. What's more, he was self-centered. He focused so much on his own religious perfection and natural successes that he hadn't looked beyond himself and developed a love for others. If that young man had done what Jesus told him to do, a miraculous change would have taken place in him. As he began to distribute his wealth to people in need, he would have looked into their eyes and fallen in love with them. Even though he might have started his giving with difficulty, he would have finished up with joy because of God's flowing freely through him, God's love. His heart would have opened to God in a brand new way. The stinginess and selfishness of that had been clogging up his spiritual arteries would have been washed away by the power of of that love and he would have begun to experience the God kind of life so he desired. What's more, he had been a supernatural blessings of God to begin to operate in his own life. He had seen the supernatural blessing of God begin to operate in his life. He would have experienced the hundredfold return that comes to those who through giving step into the river of divine love. The young man could have spent the rest of his days rejoicing, but because he refused to obey, he walked away sad. Remember the next time you sense the Lord leading you to give to someone, realize God that God isn't trying to take something away from you. He's trying to get something to you. He's giving you an opportunity to get rid of that junk in your spirit that's been robbing you of the fullness of his life. He is opening the way for you to step into his river of life, the one place you can truly rejoice in. May 25th. Be a Titus today. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. John twenty twenty one. 
All believers long to know what they're called to do on this earth. And God has a specific plan for each one. But generally speaking, every kind, every one of us has been sent to do the same thing. That Jesus did when he was on the earth. We are sent to be an expression of God's love to mankind. Everywhere Jesus went, people saw God's love manifested. Every time he healed someone, every time he delivered someone or worked a miracle, people saw the love of God in action. Hence, this podcast. We are called to live our lives the same way. In fact, if we ever allow ourselves to get distracted from our primary purpose of love by the business of life, even if that business concerns the work of the Lord, we'll miss the mark. Whatever we do, we should be so permeated by the love of God that we should be able to say, as Jesus said, If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. In other words, if you see me, you've seen love. Someone might say, well, I have the love of the Lord in my heart. I just don't express it there very much. God's love in your heart doesn't do anyone any good. It's God's love flowing out of your heart through your words and actions that help people. So step up boldly and say something encouraging to someone. Surprising someone with a warm smile and a big hug and tell them what a blessing they are. You can actually fulfill God's call on your life by doing simple things like that. You can also frustrate that call by neglecting to do them. The reason those things are vital is because God himself desires that people, believers and unbelievers alike, know that he loves them. He desires them to know they are precious and dear to his heart. But he doesn't communicate that love by just beaming it through the air somehow. He communicates it through people like you. So when you restrict your expression of love, you're actually restricting his expression of it. You're limiting the reach reach of God's love. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 7 and told how God had comforted him in a time of trouble. But even Paul, as mature in the Lord as he was, didn't receive the comfort simply through supernatural means. He said he was comforted by the coming of his brother Titus. Titus actually brought Paul the love and encouragement of the Lord. Determine today to be a Titus to someone's life. Determine to do what Jesus sent you to do. To reach out and express God's love. If no one has told you they love you this morning, this day, today, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Just say, Amen. Thank you, God. I'm being loved. May 26. When no one's watching. Colossians 3.8. But now you also put off all these. Put them away. Anger. Wrath. Malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth, Colossians 3.8. When we make a decision to be ruled by love, one of the first things we must do is take authority over our temper. Instead of allowing our temper to rule us, we must rule our temper. 
if we find we're unable to do that, it's probably because we're inconsistent in our efforts. We try to restrain ourselves in our relationship with other people. But when we're alone, in turn, our temper's loose. We turn our tempers loose when we're alone. When the car won't start or we're late to work, we'll slap the dash and fill the air with angry words. When the computer won't work right, we slam some desk drawers and make unsavory remarks, thinking it doesn't matter. No one else can hear. But the fact is, it does matter. Because every time we yield to anger and wrath, we are practicing those things. And the more we practice them when we are alone, the easier it is to yield to them in the presence of others. The angry habits we develop by slapping the dashboard and slamming desk drawers were inevitably reared their ugly heads when another person irritates us. And we'll find ourselves doing and saying things we long regret. We will. What's more, giving in to anger and impatience, even in little things, grieves the Holy Spirit. We simply can't walk with Him while yielding to the flesh. The Lord spoke to me about that years ago when I was playing, praying in the Spirit, excuse me, getting ready for a service. He showed me a vision of a pipeline that was so clogged hardly any water could get through it. Just a mist like spray was coming out. The pipe is your spirit, said the Lord. The flow is my glory. I want to pour my glory through you. What's all that junk plumping, plugging up my pipeline, I asked. It's made of the little unconfessed sins of irritation and temper in your life. It's built up from all the times you shout your mouth off, you shut your mouth off in anger or slam your suitcase down at the floor because you forgot something. When you get in a big fuzz with someone, you repent and make it right, he said. But just let that little stuff go and it has polluted the streams of the spirit that flows through you. I got some things right that day. I repented and cleaned up out my spiritual pipeline. Since then, I've been more committed in watching over my thoughts, words, and actions. Not just when others are present, but also when God and I are alone. I've determined to practice yielding the love all the time, so yielding to love all the time, so when it's not just a car or a computer, but the heart of another person that's at stake. It'll be well practiced at doing the right thing. It'll be in the habit of love. Amen. And what I got to say about that is, uh, I would say slam good scriptures up against the wall when you get mad. You know, when I usually get mad, I slam good scriptures up against the wall. What do you mean, Fernando? Well, say, for instance, I get irritated over the spouse says something or does something that irritate me, or I do something that irritates me. So I'll say, I'll say, the blessings of the Lord makes one rich, and he has no sorrow with it. With that same energy that I was going to use to use the wrong words, I'll say, The goodness and mercy follow him all the days of his life. Or I'll say, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Scream it. 
Say, say it hard. Say it strong. Or I say, houses and riches are inheritance from fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. I tell you the truth, that's the, the one I say the most when that happens, and I just slam it up against the wall until my peace comes. And then I have used my mouth rightly. I have used my words rightly. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned it to good. One of the other ways I do is put a rubber band in my wrist. If I'm prone to flying off the handle, then I, I was a misfit. I missed the mark. Somehow down the line, it was my fault. I didn't prepare the night before. I didn't put my keys and my clothes out like the wife has said. I didn't shine up and and, and get my shoes cleaned up. And I, and I didn't park the car with gas on it and park it in the right direction. I didn't pray about the day coming up. I wasn't pre-diligent to be diligent in the morning. So what happens? I'm helter-skelter, and it's just a habit. So when I put the rubber band, I say, I thank God I'm a misfit. I hit it. I thank God I'm a I thank God I messed up, plural, point. I thank God I messed up. I thank God I messed up. I thank God I'm a misfit. And then I sting myself on the palm, on the wrist, on the tender part, where I'll remember, where I'll create a new habit. That when that situation comes up again, the stinging part and the remembrance of my mind will remind me, hey, remember what happened at this crossroad? You're doing it again. Let's go ahead and prepare yourself. Use faith to prepare your stuff for the next day. Sounds good to me. I think I'll try it. <laughs> try my own medicine. I love you. God bless you. Be right back. Thank you so much. Now for May 27th. With God as our witness. That he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. I'm reading out of Luke 1, verses 74 to 75. That he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. Luke chapter 1. Verses 74 to 75. One of the promises God fulfilled through the coming of Jesus is that we could serve God and live in his presence all the days of our lives. That's why Jesus was called Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Developing our awareness of the fact that God is actually with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, is one of the most powerful aids to walking in love. If we'll continually remind ourselves that he is present, witnessing everything we do, everything we say, and everything we think, we'll be far more diligent in our love life and far quicker to repent when we fail. One time when the Lord was particular dealing with me about this, he said, Kenneth, this is Kenneth Copeland talking, 
I want you to cultivate your awareness of the fact that I am right here there with you. I want you to talk to me throughout the day just like I'm standing next to you. Forget the D's and the Dow's. Just talk straight to me like you would any other friend you love and respect. When you do something you shouldn't or even if you, you entertain unloving thoughts, turn immediately to me and say, Lord, forgive me. I repent of that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have let those thoughts stay in my mind. If you'll do that continually, you'll become so well-developed in love that other people just can't offend you. The meanest bigot in the world could insult you, and you'll just say, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. The that's what the Lord Jesus did. He walked so continually for 33 years in the presence of God that he grew to the place where even when people were killing him, he loved and forgave them. Most people don't realize that Jesus had to grow into the fullness of that kind of love. He was born of love, but had to grow in it. Although he never did sin, he did not start out completely mature and developed in the things of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, Luke 2.52. It's the same way with us. We don't start out our Christian life fully developed. As we walk in the presence of the Lord, we grow up in Him. As we fellowship with Him over the details of our lives, ever aware that He is with us. We get stronger and stronger in Him. Eventually, the things that once caused us to stumble won't trip us up at all. And we'll see God's promise fulfilled in us as we begin delivering from the hand of our enemies. Enjoy His presence and serve Him with love all the days of our lives.